Hello and welcome to Dungeons and Drama Nerds. My name is Nick, and today I'm going to be joined by the cast of Oh Dang, Bigfoot Stole My Car with my friend's birthday present inside. And for us specifically, it was Percy Hornack's birthday present inside, which made me extremely happy as I was listening to it. Uh, so today we're here to talk about our second short game of season two and how it went. So let's go around and share names, pronouns if you'd like, and the role you played in this short campaign, starting with John John. Hello, I am John John Johnson. I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, greater DMV area. My pronouns are he, they, and I was the GM. I think they use the term GM. I don't know what I call myself. I was Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I will pass that to whomever is next. Uh, next up is Susan. Uh, hi. I'm Susan Rogers. My pronouns are she, her. I live in Silver Spring, Maryland. Yep, I'm from here. Uh-huh, on the Piscataway land. So, I played Helma Shrinkly, um, Slinkies. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Chris? Hi. <laughs> uh, my name is Christopher Dierkson. My pronouns are he, they. And I uh, live in New York City. And I am a director and dramaturg and producer of new work. Uh, uh, oh no, who did I play? I played uh, Hank McGruff. That's right. I just pulled up my notes to remind myself exactly what my name was. I, I'm awesome. We love, no, we love uh, copious note takers. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Shannon. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shannon Wade, she, her, hers. Uh, I live in Portland, Maine, and I played uh, Geraldine Jerry Winters. Thank you so much, Shannon. And finally, Mieko. Hi, I'm Mieko Gabia. I live in New York, and I am playing, I play Chet Daystar. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everybody, for that reintroduction. Um, to kick things off, I wanted to talk briefly to John John. Uh, you approached us about playing this game on the podcast. This is one that you kind of brought to me and Todd and Percival. So I wanted to ask, uh, what was so appealing to you about this game? Uh, and how did this particular playthrough feel different or look different than other times that you've run it? I think in my daily life, I'm an order Muppet. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it is all about scheduling and spreadsheets and keeping things in order. And when I DM things like D&D, &D, a lot of notes. There's a lot of like, oh, man, got to meticulously plan everything in advance. Have to like try and predict everything the players are going to do. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, it's a lot of chess playing and a lot of math. And so when I saw this game and I was like, oh, my goodness, it is pure <laughs> chaos. You, you are not allowed to prep in advance. I was like, let's do this. Let's just, uh, I trust my my GM improvisation muscle enough to be like, something will happen. <laughs> I do not know what, but something will happen and hopefully it's entertaining. Um, but I, I ran it once before and it was just as a chaotic mess as this one was. <laughs> that, But it was like with the same basic premise, they wound up having like, a Mad Max Fury Road chase with Nerf weapons and like Sports Authority tennis ball cannons on 495. You know, and that was also not pre-planned, but I'm like, here we go. The FBI is involved now and they're using tennis ball cannons. Um, so this was, you know, also just uh, it's a series of being delightfully surprised. And I think uh, one of the things that draws to me is as a theater practitioner myself, something I'm always keen on finding both in the rehearsal room and in the arcs of characters is the moment of discovery. 
And when we're not pre-planning anything, you have no choice but to discover what's about to happen. <laughs> like, no one knows uh, if there's foreshadowing, it was incidental or accidental. And like, we, it is this constant cycle of like, here's the information that we have generated as a group. How do we keep cycling back in to make it relevant, to make it feel like, that, that was my thing, right? It's like, how do you make it? How do you take everything that the players have put into the world and make it relevant so it doesn't feel like there's any wasted motion? And that is, uh, so that is, it is, so in this way, it is like, <laughs> like it sounds so pretentious, but it's like, this is an extension of my, my art making style. And so it's, that's something that really, really appealed to me. Yeah, that's, that's why I liked it. I saw it and I saw it, uh, I saw the live show that, uh, the McElroy brothers did, uh, in DC. And I laughed so hard for three hours that I thought I would die. And I, <laughs> I actually, so I fell in love with this game because I was like, this is absolute nonsense and the kind of nonsense I want in the world. It's a, it's a delightful game and it was really fun to watch you all play it in such a spontaneous, like, hat drop way, I guess, in, if that's a phrase, at the drop of a hat. <laughs> drop of a hat, hat drop way. There, yes, thank you. <laughs> we, got, we got a literal hat drop uh, on screen here. For those of you who haven't played the game before, I guess, let me ask, among the four players, was there anyone who had played Odang Bigfoot before? No. No, I didn't think so. So for all of you, I'm really curious to hear what you really enjoyed about the game and if there's anything in it that really surprised you or that you didn't expect going into it. Um, I was surprised at how easily the gameplay like went through because mm. I'm not I'm not a big improver and so much of it had to be improved, like right on the spot. And I was just like, this is surprisingly easy this is hilarious i don't know if it's if it's just like the people that i was with because you're all really great and we were like bouncing stuff off of each other uh or if it's just like the the design of the game or if i'm just getting better at improv but yeah it was just a lot easier to to come by and really fun yeah i've played i haven't played this game i have played lasers and feelings which is a which is another game which uses the same mechanics but what was great is that I really enjoyed and I love improv. I, I think it's really fun for that moment of discovery thing that John John mentioned specifically in that it is always present and like it is something that requires a uh, live audience, just like tabletop role playing games and that we are each other's audience. And so it's sort of wonderful that way. But one of the things that surprised me that I loved specifically about the way John John ran this game was how well they incorporated the characteristics of our character descriptions as mechanics, right? Which is something that I hadn't experienced before in my experience of using the same thing i hadn't really ever thought to do that and it was so brilliant and it uh because it allowed for us to dig even more into something of substance when we are improvising this story together which was really really valuable i felt like it was something that like the more we did the the more um uh agency we all felt it seemed to feel as we were building this sort of like, not only that, we haven't all played together before. So building that camaraderie as a, as a 
team of people of storytellers um to feel agency to sort of like make choices <laughs> at john john <laughs> you know uh it was choices really in john john's general direction <laughs> yeah just sort of like in the direction just throwing we we throw the spaghetti at john john the wall <laughs> I really loved the 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 genre and the tone of the game. Like it was it was a little bit like John John said, magical realism. And it was 2006. And I thought about being a teenager. And also it was just like so madcap, fast paced wackiness. It was just such a delight. And I think that that's something that surprised me in a good way about the system for sure. But also John John about the way you ran the game, because I think Something that I wrestle with with D&D sometimes is that like combat takes like two hours. And this was like, you threw a thing. This happened. We're going to keep going. And that was just like really kept it moving and kept it exciting. And I felt like I was on my toes the whole time in a really awesome way. I mean, I did try to calculate everything's hit points, but it makes no sense because there's no numbers to attach to it. So (laughs) it's more just like if you hit a human in this way, this probably would happen. Ta-da! Um, because D&D combat is very, very crunchy. I, I have so many people who love telling me that it's a combat simulator. I'm like, but it's also an engine for narrative. And when this focus is almost entirely on the narrative, <clears throat> you can basically, what is that one? There was this one like Tumblr post where like there was a kid running a dragon battle and the, the teacher looked behind the screen and saw the dragon had no hit points. Mm-hmm. And the kid just said, the fight ends when it's not fun anymore. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh. And, you know, so what's the point of having hit points? You know, it's just be like, this is the most narratively satisfying way for this monster to die mm-hmm. and uh, or be defeated or whatever. And so that's that's sort of something I've carried with me into everything. It's like, well, you got to have fun while you're playing a game. So, y'all, I was trying to keep a night eye on like sort of, you know, the timbre of the table being like, OK, if this encounter is going on too long. How do we wrap it up in a funny way? <laughs> funny but also hopefully narratively satisfying way i really like games you can just pick up because i am one the worst at planning and two i don't pick up rules very fast like i had to keep looking like oh my god what does this mean and there weren't that many rules but like i grasped it grasped it um that's why i don't i don't play like D &D anymore because I am bad at planning, but all my other friends are kind of worse. So I I had to be the one to pull everyone together until um, we couldn't. So so now I just haphazardly gathered friends sometimes and make them play games. (laughs) Like we can just pick up. It's a great time. And if people are, if listeners or any of you are looking for other games like this, I do just want to plug because I love the titles. There are two others in this series by Paul Matijevic on similar themes. So there's Oh Dang Bigfoot Stole My Car with My Friend's Birthday Present Inside. Also options that you can find uh, at Weird Age Games. Uh, You can also find Ah Dang Mothman Won't Move Out and he said it was just for the weekend as well as uh, Dang My E.T. Neighbor is a Conspiracy Theory Guy so those are all uh, delightful cryptid awkward social situations that you can get yourself into if you have a desire to do that are you kidding oh my gosh I'm not kidding at all no (laughs) I have a notepad here like 
if there's anything anyone says that I want to like look into and I, I scribble it down because I won't remember anything, you know, I need to write everything down. Memory in this economy? In this economy? <laughs> um... So, John, John, you have mentioned once already that th this game was, if I understand you right, pretty much fully improvised, right? You did zero planning. Is that accurate? Z zero planning and planning, planning, not like the time I said I did zero planning for uh, Apocalypse World and there was like nine pages of lore and whatnot. Right. And like, <laughs> like that was like what I thought was like light, light prep. This was literally zero. I like forced myself to not prep anything until our like sort of session zero right before the game started. Using the GM sheet, I rolled the dice to see what the conflicts and complications were going to be. So I had no, I didn't even plan those in advance. And like the creation of Preppy Brian was because of someone else's creation. I'm like, well, there we go. We have a, we have an antagonist. And so, yeah, it was just building on the fly. I have to say it was so like, uh, entertaining and cohesive for all that have you done that before I, I feel like you mentioned before that that's not really your normal approach have you ever done that before for a tabletop game or no yes i've, I've run this game once before oh that's right um, you mentioned that but i'm sorry also just in general having run any tabletop game and the players are like i go this way when you've planned them to go the other <laughs> way um yeah, the, you develop that improvisatory muscle like very, very quickly. And so it's like, well, here's a new NP, you know, and you you know what you can steal and salvage from other places and move over. But no, it's it's like I don't typically run this way. I typically I'm very prep heavy so I can work within a structure. So this was just madcap. And if it felt cohesive, it's because um, I have no idea how that was a pure miracle. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it was... Uh, first off, I think you're you're all such wonderful storytellers, and you told a story so well together. And I also think you know you, John John, did such a great job uh, playing with what the characters all kind of offered, and all of the you four players did such a wonderful job, like giving John John tools in your characters to offer, which I I thought was so delightful um i actually wanted to ask about that because the characters in this game compared to like a dungeons and dragons or even an apocalypse world or even a paranoia have very few like mechanics you know they don't have hit points or skill points or anything like that uh but all of the characters that emerged felt very sharp and vivid and like evocatively uh, detailed. So what what was that like for you all inside it, um, coming up with those characters? Did you have an idea of who you wanted to be in this game going in, or was it really just like responding to what was on the sheet and what everybody else was offering? Um, I had like a vague recollection of who I wanted to be, but most of it was kind of, I just came up with it in the moment. It was just like, oh, you know who I like? I like those really, those like enigmatic, super cool guys who like get along with everybody in cartoons. Like, like what is his name? Like Chip Skylark. <laughs> like Chip Skylark from Fairly Odd Parents, or like you know who? Like those other characters. So I was like, I want to be like them. I didn't plan at all before the game. Because I was just like, yep, yeah, we're going to throw it into it. I trust John John. And um, so uh, I saw like Investigator and 
I don't know why I've been going through like a detective phase this year, but like I love every opportunity to like play a murder mystery game, escape rooms, read like detective stories and stuff. And I recently read the newer young adult Velma and Daphne book series. I only read one of them, but I was like, yes, I get to be my version of Velma. And I'm still mad they made her explicitly straight in the book, but Vel- Helma can be gay. So <laughs> that's what I was bringing to the uh, uh, energy. Um, I was just going to say, I think, I'd, again, no, no planning, really. Um, I think I just wanted to make sure I was like, how, how can I be useful I think those were things that I was sort of going into, you know, and also have fun. So the decision to be a navigator was, you know, a lot of it has to do with like you're choosing like the, the die that you've got. And I'm a little bit of a min maxer as a person, right? When I play like more crunchy games. And so knowing that I had, I guess, what did I have? I had a high roll, which meant I was better at patient patient choices as opposed to reckless choices. Um, but also choosing wacky as my like adjective uh, made it a very fun sort of like challenge to say, all right, well, what can I be? I, I need to be make patient choices that are wacky. And what else? Can, what else will we need a navigate? I just started like going through like, what can we do to make sure that like the way that I'm thinking when I'm playing this, when I'm improvising with these people, because we don't know um, that I could come up with sort of like useful contributions <laughs> i think that was sort of like my my as crunchy as i get right like that was kind of like how can i be crunchy about this with as limited choices as possible and then his name was hank and that was just fun <laughs> <laughs> hank's a good name hank mcgriff yeah for me i think i like had glanced at the rule sheet because the the rule sheet is like what literally one page, which is which I love. But I had gl- glanced and been like, oh, maybe I'll pick this and this. And then through our session zero, sort of the ones that I had been very loosely thinking about uh, were already taken. I was like, that's fine. Let me pick something that I feel good at in my real life and something that I don't. So like driving, I drive a lot. I was like, cool, that's in my wheelhouse. And then athletic was like not not super big for me. So I was like, cool, we can we can balance this out. And then. And then, yeah, I think for for me, as whenever I'm playing a longer campaign, it takes me a few sessions to sort of sink into my character and figure out who they are. And so I was very aware coming into this one that we only had this one. It was that it was a one shot. And so I was just like, just make big choices early on and stick with those. And so that's sort of how I came at it. Kind of not not trying to, like, think about the character too much, but just like do some stuff and see what happens. And let me ask, uh, this is going off script a minute, but a couple of you have mentioned it. I, I know. Uh, <laughs> a, a couple of you have mentioned that this is the this is the first and only game that you all, all of you have played together in like this combination. And you really went into it with virtually no prep. Our earlier... Our earlier one shot this season was Bluebeard's Bride, which just as a game requires a very like different approach um, for all sorts of reasons. But I'm curious how that was like on the like 
player and improviser level, uh, did it feel disorienting to just be like, okay, you five, go! <laughs> um, or, or what was that like? I wasn't, I wasn't disoriented at all, but I think, I think it's easy to become disoriented, but ultimately, at the, I think at the beginning, in any of these situations, you have to make the decision uh, that you, um, that the people that are with you want you to succeed working with all of y'all was very easy to do that because you know you make that decision once it's really easy to make the decision once right and then um that has to be as they then just got reinforced over and over and over again the more we did work more, the more we did scenes with each other the more we interacted with each other um the more specificity i gained for my character from the way you all responded to me and so it was really it just became very it was it was a joy to sort of like um, learn who I was through you. That's what I say. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to say that I loved being in a game where I was like, just along for the ride in the mystery van, (laughs) because, um, I, for a person who's not good at planning, I overthink everything. So, I think we did a pretty good job of, of moving the story along, Without me hemming and hawing, hawing, hemming and hawing, like overly, because I, I don't know. I was like, I know there was a point where I was like, oh, what do I do? I mean, it's not that deep, it's not, but it really matters in the moment, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. The stakes feel very uh, real. <laughs> I've been a uh, in regards to the question. I have been thrown into too many devising rooms with no leadership. <laughs> <laughs> and so um it's it's just like i have this sort of like i don't like leading things right but then the second you someone must i'm like fine fine let's try to make something out of this and so when when that happens this time you know willingly walking to the room and just being like it's going to be like chopped right each of you is going to be like one of the mystery ingredients and we're going to have to make something and that's that's something i actually really thrive on just that it's, you know, it's that letting go of control at the onset, being like, I don't know what I'm going to get, but I know it's going to be good. So it's like <laughs> my therapist is like, you got to trust yourself. And so this game, in a way, is, is an effort in all of us just sort of trusting ourselves to dive in and commit. Cast uh, and and John John, is there anything I'm curious if there's anything you would have done differently looking back? Any impulses you wish you had followed or maybe impulses you did follow that you wish you hadn't? Yeah, I when I chose uh, my attributes, I chose smooth. I think it was like smooth and the face because I thought that would give me like double double points, but it didn't really it didn't really work like that. <laughs> so I should have chosen. I w- if I had done that again, I would choose like smooth and like muscle or something like that, athletic, smooth and athletic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. <laughs> just just so I had a little bit more variety in what I was going to do. Yeah, I think along the same those same lines. I think what I learned through this play is that I'm much more reckless than I am patient. Uh, <laughs> uh, I made a lot of reckless choices <laughs> that didn't work out. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe it would have had... Though the failures were fun, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that I have regrets. Well, I look at the sort of character building. The thing I like about it is that you can't min-max in this game. Because if you try mm-hmm. to go too patient, 
I will make you do reckless things and vice versa. You know, like there is no min-maxing. And but that also sort of leads to the point that this isn't a game you win in the way that like D&D exists. I think I talked about that in season one, I think. But it's like it's not a game you win. It's a game you enjoy. And because I'm working with you to tell a story, it's not like I punish you for failures. Like you look at any madcap movie. Most movies, I think, are just series of, to use D&D terms, like crit successes and crit fails. Like no (laughs) one ever rolls in between. (laughs) It's always a crit fail or crit success, right? And that's what this game kind of does. It's that all or nothing, like you succeed or you succeed at a cost or you fail, which is a very common mechanic. But like it, what a, what a delightful way to relish in those really, really fun successes versus those like really weird failures. And like my, my mentality as a GM is not to punish people for failing because that's no fun. Like, so if you fail, we're going to fail you forward. That way it doesn't feel like, oh, I screwed up. Oh, the game is over. We lost the game. Bigfoot got away. You know, like it's, it's about what mentality you bring into the game. And I think everyone brought in that sort of, that spirit of play as opposed to like, we're about to win. <laughs> so this was, uh, that was good. Big- and that's, I, I can roll with that. Bigfoot did get away. And then we found Bigfoot under a cardboard box <laughs> by the McDonald's. So I guess, I guess maybe we couldn't fail. <laughs> Bigfoot maybe had a flawless plan. All right. All right. Or maybe I was like, how do I, uh, how do I hide if I'm Bigfoot and Adam's Morgan? So, like, um, that was as best as I could do in the moment. That's how you know it's improvised. Yeah, and I think in terms of that, like that spirit of play, I'm thinking back and honestly, I know there were there, there were moments when we were playing that I was like, ooh, I should have done that differently. But now I can't remember what they are because I think whatever happened was even more fun than whatever imagined choice my change would have made if that makes sense so i think like that's just i don't know i think that speaks to like how fun it was to play with y'all and this group of people who's great at telling stories because yeah i don't, I can't think of anything at the moment that i would have changed yeah i think i failed all of my roles except for one <laughs> and i was out in the moment i was just i mean it has to be someone i mean <laughs> Um, and I didn't even care because I knew that it would be really funny every time I failed. I knew we would make this, like, you know, John John said, failing forward. Like, nothing's gonna suffer from rolling badly. It's just part of the game because it's a game and not something with actual consequences. And um, I had weird... I remember I was like I was like so concerned with the law for some reason, and like oh, the yeah. law, is, <laughs> the law is not fun. Why did I do that? <laughs> Being a do crime. So more crime is what you're saying. You you wish for. I mean, we accomplished. We accomplished a significant amount of crime. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I didn't mean to take that away. That's fair. <laughs> We already mentioned the the box, the cardboard box reveal. Um, I'm curious, uh, what are some of your other favorite moments from the game that you can remember? I have a clear number one, and it is Chet seducing the guards. Yeah, same. It is like 100% the best moment of the entire game. <laughs> And then making them make out with each other so that so that Chet could leave. Right. I forgot about the slide out of the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, now you guys kissed. I have so 
such a clear mental image of Chet just like sliding away going, yeah, uh-huh, and like into the darkness of the warehouse. It's so good. So good. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, that was, that was, you know, partially inspired by true life. So <laughs> I was actually like, you know, there are these people who are like, let's have a threesome. And I was like, not attracted to one of them. So I was like, yeah, make out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I slowly faded away. <laughs> slowly <laughs> slip out the door. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's I, I really enjoy that moment, too. I also really enjoyed the moment where uh, Jerry, where Jerry would like finally got to Bigfoot and was fine. Bigfoot was like, you want a picture? And then Jerry didn't have the camera. <laughs> I was like, oh no! Oh, I'm lost! Yeah, then that, and then when, and then when you both got shot with that sleeping dart. And that was a fun peek behind the DM screen because I had gotten the private message from Todd saying, like, all right, we should probably wrap up after the scene. And I was like, I have no clue how to stop this scene. And I was like, you know what? Sleep darts. It's <laughs> 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 like, that's perfect. And then it worked out nicely because everyone was like, yeah, of course, this random preppy kid from like Georgetown University would have sleep darts. So like it worked out and a legion of like polo shirt guards. Like, lax bros. Yeah, lax bros. Everyone was just like, yeah, everyone suspended a disbelief and dove in like. And that's they all like, definitely had double po- top, popped collar polo shirts. Oh, God, too. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Or extra toasty, extra warm and toasty with their two shirts 2006 was hard <laughs> it was very hard <laughs> i love the era i love the era we chose <laughs> we've had a we're having a real uh, a string of of throwbacks our kids on bikes game was in the late year mid mid to late 90s now we're in 2006 in just two more games we'll be caught up to the future <laughs> One of my favorite moments that wasn't like part of a plot was when, because it said in 2000, 2006, so, and I was just like, I was six years old in 2006. <laughs> like, I was a baby. I don't you, remember. And you watched us all on our screens, Infinity Dust Away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were suspending your disbelief at being a teenager in 2006 in a different way than I was suspending my disbelief at being a teenager in 2006. <laughs> But I wanted to say my favorite moment was when we first, like, catch up to Bigfoot. And was it Chet who was outside, dangling outside of the oh, van? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, my the God, Star that Wars whole convention. thing was the, so great. The Star Wars LARP. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> and I love, like, when Bigfoot first started talking, like... Oh, this is my voice. And I was like, yes, that, that is our Bigfoot right there. Yeah, I love the I totally blanked on it until this moment, but I absolutely loved the Star Wars convention. The Bigfoot Bigfoot <laughs> in the herd of Wookiee cosplayers. Yeah. Uh, such a brilliant <laughs> What battle was it? Was it like Yavin 4? I think it was supposed to be Endor. 
That's right, it was but supposed I, to be Andor, was, and then somebody made a reference to a different battle. Yeah, someone said Hoth, and I was like, we're there now. Like, it does not matter. <laughs> yes, and. I will yes and us to another part of the galaxy, that is fine. Well, you know, it could have been snowing, it was February, shamrock shakes were available. Yeah, if we were following the dramaturgy. <laughs> <laughs> the most tightly dramaturged show that has ever been on Dungeons and Drama Nerds. <laughs> Uh, before we wrap up in a few minutes here, I want to ask uh, players, did you have any questions you want to ask John John, either about the story or the experience? Um, yeah, I just want to ask you, like, how was it easy to kind of stay ahead of us, you know, to stay once ahead of us? Or were you was there a part portions of the time where you were just like, uh, except for like, you know, you mentioned the dart moment, but were there other moments like that? I was literally never ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you did a very good job of hiding it <laughs> uh, i have a good poker face i and like a good like i have a calm dm voice um but like i it, you know it's it's a little it's a little bit of like internal screaming being like you know they did what now <laughs> and then like you know you have to imagine there's a moment where i just take a deep breath and i hear you hear like alexa going like recalibrating <laughs> and so like if i ever tried to get ahead of you that was when you would do the exact opposite thing <laughs> and i'm like nope okay so i couldn't i couldn't and it was just an exercise in again discovery just being like well i'm here let me yes and that to the next thing that's why i was like look there's an underground facility in the middle of rock creek park where the horses are kept like yeah i will rewrite reality to make sure that we have a story but like you know i was never ahead of you but you did a really good job because i because we all felt you know like we were on a path and there was no path, but you, you're such a good GM. You just made it feel like there was a, the illusion of path. So we felt like safe running on this road or um, driving in the van, <laughs> even though there was no path. But nobody needs to know there's no path. No, and that's, that's, that's just a peek behind the screen. It was just like a lot of internal screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Are do do Star Wars fans actually uh, get uh, defensive about Galaxy Quest? I just assumed that every <laughs> fandom is toxic. Like, what is it? We're we're looking at the Wizards of the Coast right now release of uh, what was it? Uh, Strixhaven, and they've removed, and they're like talking about removing fixed alignments from races, and everyone's like, "No, orcs must be evil." Uh, oh, yeah. and like it's like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, yeah, you know, and so it's like they've all come out in droves. And I remember with the new release of Star Wars, people like everyone on every side was like, ah, and I was just annoyed. I was like, oh, my God, every fandom yeah. is toxic. So I just assumed <laughs> that funny. if you were like, oh, Star Wars Galaxy Quest, it'd be like, whoa, no, my one <laughs> thing so that I stake my entire personality on. <laughs> I was so, I, Chris, was so surprised. I was like, oh, oh I thought I was doing something cool. <laughs> that's not, that's not, I didn't mean to. <laughs> Although in my experience, Star Trek fans really like Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's they're the like allied. It it's the Ally best fans. Star Trek movie they've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> well, now now we're going to get hate mail at the podcast. <laughs> That's just a sign that you made it, baby. <laughs> yeah. John, John, I also wanted to give you the chance to ask any questions, if you have any, for the players. I feel like a lot of my questions were answered throughout the debrief. 
Um, so I guess the big one is like, did y'all have fun at least? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. 500%. Yeah, then <laughs> I'm totally going to GM this for my friends yeah, um, it's, it's, as soon as possible. Yeah. It's great if you don't like planning because you can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, I, I had a blast because uh, it is a wacky time. And uh, it is, I don't know, it's just a lot of fun, especially because I run a lot of D&D, which is a lot of very crunchy, a lot of like, okay, I have to like build all these maps and all these NPCs and prep. And I have like prep and prep and prep and prep for days and to walk, to just stroll into this, be like, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's go. I'm here. I'm ready to do something. And it's sort of like, I'm trying to carry that lesson into life as well, right? Where sometimes you can just wing it. That's okay. Uh, so yeah, if you had you had fun, I mean, it was so it was so mechanics light, you know, that there wasn't a lot to learn, and it it just really exemplifies my philosophy of like, you tell me what you're gonna do, and I'll tell you what to roll. That's my whole job. So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you had fun. <laughs> it was yeah. a lot of fun for me. It was so much fun. Thank you, John John. Well, did you have fun, John John? Oh, of course. Like, of course, I had fun. It's like, you know, again, you make a choice, and I go, okay are my options now <laughs> you know, what can i do and you know it's it's especially those moments where it's like i set up a, a trap with a cardboard box and a stick and you roll and you like critically succeed so i'm like well it worked <laughs> um, and you know you you are as a gm you are so often in this place where you must yes and you cannot you cannot do anything but yes and because the dice dictated what happened and so it's all about, well, being like, that's the new plot point I need to incorporate. I got to roll with it. If I fight it, then that just feels bad for everybody. So just roll it. And it's a uh, so I had fun testing that muscle a lot, too. I'd like to commend you also on your on not unresisting the urge to justify those things all the time. Like sometimes a box with a stick just works and we move on. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't I feel like it's very easy to fall in the trap of like because Bigfoot loves sticks. Right. Or like finding the reason <laughs> like, well, 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 there was this other, there was a particular type of pie that just happened to be under that. You yeah, know, I, I think my the, chips uh, were in that. I, don't remember. I think your, chip, your Doritos, your Old Bay. <laughs> yeah. old, chips. Bay yes. old Bay. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but it's also like in real life, if there was a box with a stick. I might actually fall for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is a world in which I would be like, hey, you know what would be a good story? <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, it, it, there isn't, so, you know, and there's that science of, there's almost like a science to the justification of things, what makes it funny. Sometimes it's the explanation that makes it funny, or sometimes it's purely the action. Right. And so when you have absurdity, the more you try to explain it scientifically, the less funny it becomes. And so I was like, well, yeah, it's a box now. Bye. You see the box <laughs> yeah. moving. So it's uh, so in a sense, it's like, how do I take that and roll with it? How do I and how do I make it fun? It's always that's a how do I make every choice fun? What a great yeah. guiding principle. <laughs> I mean, got to have you got to have a little chaos in your life. And that to do that, you have to accept that same chaos into you. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's really my only question. Did you all have fun? And I'm, I'm glad you did because it was a blast. 
All right. Well, thank you all so much uh, for joining us again for this debrief. And thank you for such a lovely game of, oh, dang, Bigfoot stole my car with my friend's birthday present inside. Uh, (laughs) For our listeners, uh, this concludes our arc of, oh, dang, Bigfoot stole my car with my friend's birthday present inside. But please do tune in again next week when Todd, Percy, and I will be uh, discussing and explaining the next system on our podcast, which will be Massive Press's Lancer. Uh, so look forward to that. Thank you all. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Dungeons and Drama Nerds is produced by Todd Brian Backus, Percival Horneck, and Nicholas Orvis, and is mixed and edited by Anthony Sertel Dean. Our Oh Dang, Bigfoot Stole My Car With My Friend's Birthday Present Inside game features John John Johnson as the GM, Christopher Dierksen as Hank McGruff, Mieko Gavia as Chet Daystar, Susan W. Rogers as Helma Shrinkley, and Shannon Wade as Geraldine Jerry Winters. Oh Dang, Bigfoot was written by Paul Matievic. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DNDramaNerds. Check out cast bios on our website, DungeonsAndDramaNerds.com. Leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in next week for another episode of Dungeons and Drama Nerds. Dungeons and Drama Nerds.